Hey, ladies and gentlemen, um, I, I want to give a heads up as the episode starts. This one's going to get a little bit more technical. I'm going to be dealing with a uh, a video that talks about the Hebrew language and the Hebrew Bible. Um, I'm, it, I'm hoping that I'm explaining this in a way that doesn't go over your head, but uh, it's going to be fairly hard to uh, keep up if you're not able to see the video. So I encourage you to look at the video first. Uh, if you can't look at the video yet, I encourage you to look at it later because it will help to make what I'm saying a little bit more clear if you don't know anything about Hebrew. Uh, but I'm trying to do my best to explain it in a way that makes sense to everybody. And uh, I, I'm not trying to do this to flex or anything. I want you to avoid uh, mistakes that this brother in Christ has fallen into. I'm not hating on him, but I am trying to say that... Uh, we need to avoid falsehoods in order to further the gospel more effectively. So, anyways, that's all i got for right now. Please enjoy the episode and uh, give me any constructive feedback that you have. Thank you very much, guys. Hello, friends and philosophizers. Welcome back to Sourced Out, the Search for Truth. In our search for truth, we are going to take modern truth claims and put them to the test. I'm your host, Stephen, and today I'm doing an episode I don't want to do. I love when I find people who are excited about sharing the Word of God, about learning about what the Word of God says, and are excited about sharing the gospel. I love it, and I think people like that are too rare in this world, and we need to help build up those people who display those qualities. What I hate is when those exact same people say things that make Christians look foolish. And I'm fearful that the video that I'm going through today makes... Christians look foolish, especially to those who know anything about Hebrew. <sighs> so there's this video on YouTube called, uh, if I get it right, God in, or Jesus in Genesis 1, the first word of the Bible. It, uh, if you search for it on YouTube, it, it should pull up. It's got a little over a million views uh, and it's an old video, but, you know, the way that YouTube algorithm works is uh, your, your video stays mildly unpopular until about uh, seven years later when all of a sudden the algorithm decides, hey, I'm going to introduce this to everyone. Still waiting for that to cash in, YouTube. Uh, so I, I, I saved this video a long time ago, and I was excited to watch it because I heard my teacher say the same thing, and I did my own research, and I agree with that statement. I have found what I believe to be sufficient evidence that Jesus is in the first word of the Bible, Bereshit. I disagree with this guy's conclusion on how he gets there. And so today, what I'm going to do is I'm going to walk through this video with you because there's a lot of things that he says that are, you know, pretty good. There's some things that he says are really wrong, and we've got to stop saying these things. And then at the end, I'm going to present to you why I believe Jesus is in the first word of the Bible. Uh, but I want to start with this. Uh, the link is in the description of the video, but you can search for it in YouTube. Jesus in Genesis 1, uh, the first word of the Bible. Uh, something along that title. It's a little over a million views. You'll be able to find it. <sighs> 
I want to start with this first statement because this is a huge error that I have heard a lot of people say about Hebrew itself. Hebrew reads from right to left. That's difficult to get your head wrapped around. I don't want to say it reads backwards because this is God's first language. This is God's language. It reads forward. We write backwards. So this is an argument that was made back during Augustine's time, and even a little bit before, that Hebrew was God's first created language. And you see a lot of uh, different historians and theologians purport evidence of trying to support this. But if you follow the evidence and you follow their arguments enough, what you find is they're either circumstantial or they're not conclusive. These arguments are not 100% supported. We have nothing that conclusively says that Hebrew was the first language. Now, you can say that we have some really cool uh some really cool uh happenstances that create some cool meanings. And uh in the second section I'm going to play for you in a little bit, uh some of the things that he's saying are actually true. But the problem is is when you assume automatically that these languages were created by God. It is equally as likely that God created the languages as it would be that he used the languages that the people spoke. Now, to go off of that point, you have to remember back to the Tower of Babel. We don't really have anything that records uh, the Tower of Babel um, language before the Tower of Babel. We don't, we don't have anything that reports that. If we did, that would be clear, conclusive evidence as to what the first language was. But we don't have that. Additionally, there's a lot of historians that have evidence that Hebrew is not necessarily the oldest uh, of the languages. And I'm not going to necessarily share that here because I want to get more towards the main point but I wanted to show you right away some assumptions are being made. Now, I want to hit this next section. I'm going to let you listen for about 30 seconds. This section, he's telling more uh, some positive truths. And I want you to remember what he is saying here, especially about the second letter of the alphabet, the bait. Every Hebrew letter has a picture associated with it. So an Aleph, its picture is the head of an ox. You can see the snout, you can see his ears, you can see uh, horns. It's the head of an ox and it represents strength and power. A bait, its picture is a tent. And the letter bait is also the word bait and it means house. That part right there where he's talking about the ancient shapes, that is correct. You can research that yourself. You can look at uh, the Hebrew alphabet uh, meanings of each letter, and uh, you, you can verify the things that he's saying right there. Uh, but I want you to remember that because it will be important later on in the episode. Remember the part where he's talking about the ancient symbols and their ancient meanings, okay? And remember how he said uh, that this was God's first language, okay? Remember those things? 
All right, we're going to move on to the next section. He's going to actually start breaking down the word itself into what he believes is the actual statement about Jesus being in the first word. Bar, by the way, you've heard the word bar, bar mitzvah. When you are bar mitzvah, you are son of the law, mitzvah. You All right, so what he's saying there, he is, he's taking those first two letters and using the word bar, and uh, you're... You'll see in the video, when you watch the video, that he does this later with the the letters Aleph and Sheen, and he, called, he, he says that that's the word Aish. It's not a super common thing to take those those two-letter words and to smush them together into one word, like Bereshit. And there's no real evidence outside of this theory that says that the word Bar is the root word of Bereshit. Uh, if you look historically and linguistically, the root word would be the word reshit, which we translate as beginning, or rosh, which we will talk about more in uh, the second half, which means the head, the top, or the chief. Ooh, ooh, that's going to be fun. But uh, I don't, I have not seen any support historically or linguistically that says that the word. Uh, bar is the root word of Bereshit. But I want to move on to the next point because I think the next point is more telling than this uh, as to the rules of Hebrew and how they're being applied here. And even the shape of Bereshit, notice it's closed to heaven above, it's closed to earth below, and it's closed to infinity past, but it's open to the future in the direction that God reads. Alright, so I I'm trying to not make this sound like an attack, um, but I want you guys to, to hear this. He just said a moment ago that this was God's first language, and he talked about the ancient symbols, okay? The ancient symbols before the symbols that we have now. The symbols you see now are modern versions of what used to be, okay? They're not the first. They're modern In order to get to this, he had to throw out the rule that he established originally. And again, my brother, if you're watching this, I'm really not trying to say you're stupid. Um, you, you said early on that you don't know a ton about Hebrew. I hope now you know more about Hebrew. Um, but uh, I, I want to stress this. Like, you can't throw out... Uh, each rule of Hebrew, just so you can get to uh, a, a point. I, like, I get it. I've I've done this before myself, where you see something, and you think it's sold, and then you just jump on it right away uh, as something that you're really excited about being true. But you can't do that here, because in order to get to the definition that you're talking about, you have to say that the ancient symbols were not God's created symbols. And I don't think that that's what you're trying to say. All right, let's move on to the next point. Okay, so the first three letters, it's bar, son of God. Oh my goodness, that's pretty cool. All right, so this next part is going to go rather quickly. This is where he's starting to build his argument together. Um, I don't have the audio recording where he says that uh, the letter Aleph is the first word of the alphabet and it's God's letter. Uh, because of uh, how it's the uh, 
the first letter in the word ale, which means God, and uh, how uh, it's the first letter of Av, which means father. Um, and you can go back and watch that and see it for yourself. But this is where he's going to start to mount up the argument. So pay really close attention. We've already established how uh, the word bar is not the root word of Bereshit. It's Reshit or Rosh. But this is what he needs in order to build the argument. All right? So keep that in mind. He's using the word bar as the root word. Let's see what he goes to next. And then we come to the ta. And the ta, its picture is, it's the letter T. Ta, hear it? So you T. Or it's a cross. All right. Well, that looks pretty cool. It, it, it looks like a cross. Yep. And, uh, yep. Well, yep. Small problem, though. While I was researching this, I, I saw that and I was like, well, that, uh, that actually looks kind of convincing. It, I mean, it looks like a cross. So I decided, you know what, let me, let me double back and take a look at what the, uh, the meaning of that symbol is. And so I did. Guess what? There's only one definition of the symbol that could possibly mean the word cross. There's four of them that were listed on the chart that I found, and you can find that on the website in the description. The first one was mark. Nah, not really. Sign. No, no, that one, that one wouldn't mean cross either. Symbol, eh, you could infer it means a cross, uh, but not necessarily. Monument, that's the one! It's talking about Jesus! It's talking about Jesus! Okay. So not only do you have to ignore 75% of those uh, definitions in order to get something that even remotely uh, would infer that the Tav is talking about the cross itself. There's a bigger problem. That is only looking at one chart on this website. And it's not conclusive. You know why? If you look at those other, uh, those other two charts, you will see that it's not the only symbol for the Tav. As a matter of fact, it's not the oldest either. There's only one, one generation of the language in which the Tav is an upright cross. The rest of the time, it looks like an X. So for him to say that, he is having to cherry pick which generation is God's chosen and created generation of the language. Again, he's having to go back against something that he said before. But he's already on a roll, so now it's all going to mount up into uh, the final story. So get ready for it. If you sound it out, you have Bar, the son, Aleph, of God, is destroyed by his own hand, willingly, on the cross. And there's everything. That, that's most of the major information that he talks about in the video. I wanted to give you the information so that you could at least have a 
a basic understanding of uh, what's going on in this discussion. Like I've said, I do not disagree that Jesus is in the first word. What I have a problem with is the way that he got there. So, there are three main points I want you to remember. The first point is, in order to make some of his points, he had to be inconsistent about uh, the ancient symbols. Remember when he was talking about how the bait is close to heaven, it's close to the past, and it's uh, close to the ground, but it's open to the future? Remember, in order to make that point, he had to throw out the ancient symbols that God created. Okay? Second, remember how, in the same vein, uh, he had to cherry-pick which symbol for the Tav he was going to use to say that it's a cross. And remember that he had to cherry-pick very, very, very selectively or even not use uh, the definitions that are attached to the letter Tav. All right? And then third, I want you to remember that he assumed that the word bar was the root word of Bereshit. Okay? So all of that to say, I, I see no support. I see how he gets to this conclusion, and I see how he follows the rabbit trail, but I disagree with the whole process because he's had to bend so many different rules of the Hebrew language in order to get to this conclusion. And it's not to say that he's wrong. Like, I really do believe that he is right. It is simply just the process by which he gets to this point. And that's really the thing that I want to talk about um, today, is because you can be right in the end and be wrong about how you get to that point. And the reason why that's important is because the people out there are watching. The skeptics and the agnostics, and the atheists are watching to see how you handle the Word of God. And if you come to the right conclusions, but come about it the wrong way, you're sending a message that you don't really care as much about the Bible and, about, and what God says as you do about the message. And that is a major problem because it is from the Bible that we get the message. So we need to respect the Word of God and the way that He says what He says. We'll be right back with part two and the reason why I believe that Jesus is in the first word. All right, so I, I stress again, I agree with His conclusion. I do believe Jesus is in the first word. And now, I would like to give you the tools to see it as well. So on your phone or computer or whatever, uh, pause this as you need to. Pull up Bible Hub. You can do this for any time that you have a pastor or somebody talking about a Greek or Hebrew word. Here's the easiest way I have found to double check them and to do your own research. Go to BibleHub.com. All right, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 1. So go to the Genesis 1, verse 1 in Bible Hub. Okay? Once you get there, you're going to see these letters up the top. You're going to recognize them, KJV, NIV. You're going to see these three letters right there, H-E-B. Ooh, that sounds familiar. Hebrew, yeah. 
click on the Hebrew once you've pulled up Genesis 1, 1. And it will take you to this big chart that shows you the breakdown of each individual word and its translations. All right? Now, don't wholeheartedly trust this yet. Okay? If you look off to the left side, there are these numbers. Okay? If you click on those numbers, it will take you to that Greek or Hebrew word. It will take you to that root word so that you can see it yourself, okay? Before we get there, though, I want to look at uh, this page. We see this big chart. We see this big breakdown of all the Hebrew words. Bereshit. I told you earlier that reshit is the root word. The bait at the beginning doesn't disappear. It's a preposition, which can mean in, at, with, by, against, and a couple other uh, different pronouns. It's got a pretty wide uh, pronominal range, which includes the word by, and I want you to remember that. So we have this preposition at the very beginning of the word, Go ahead and click those numbers beside the word Bereshit, and it should take you to the, uh, to the page that is about the word Reshit, okay? When you do that, you can scroll down to the section that says Brown Driver Briggs. That is the lexicon. If you have any questions about what a word is, if your pastor says something about a Greek or Hebrew word and you're not sure about it, you can check by going to the Hebrew word in this Brown Driver Briggs. That is the big lexicon that most people use, okay? And that's a tool that you can carry on far beyond this lecture. You can, you can use it to talk about a uh, in your Sunday services or in a small group, or if, you, if you're in your personal study and you're like, oh, I wonder what this word actually means. Well, you can go to that verse in Bible Hub. You can pull up that big chart in the Greek or the Hebrew. And then you can look at the individual words by clicking on those numbers to take you to the root word. When you do that with Bereshit, it takes you to this page and it takes you to Reshit. Okay? Now, if you scroll down, you're going to see that uh, it has the word beginning in there, all right? The problem is, is if you scroll down a little bit further, you get to see all of the places where the word is used in the Bible. And that's a really cool thing. You get to see every instance in which the word reshit is used. So, like, for example, Yeshua you can go to the word Yeshua, scroll down to that bottom part of the page and see every time that the name Yeshua is used. You can scroll down and see every time that uh, what we pronounce as Yahweh, uh, you can use that to see every time that it's used. And I want you to do this with buttery sheet because if you scroll down and you start looking through all of those instances, you'll find that the majority of the time it's translated as first fruits or firstborn son. The vast majority 
of the time, it is translated as the first fruit or firstborn son. Okay? Now, this part's going to get a little bit more technical. You, you can follow along if you want, but you don't necessarily have to. There is a part on the page that talks about the root of reshit, and that would be the word rosh. Rosh, that sounds familiar. Aha, that's right. Earlier, when we were going through the other video, it sounds like the letter resh. That's right, because it, and if you remember, when he was talking about the meanings of each of the letters... The resh means head. Rosh means head. Or the top. Or the chief. So it's not just this idea of the first. It's talking about the head. The chief. From there, we can look at it and we can realize, okay, maybe it's translated in the beginning. Maybe it's not. Maybe, just maybe, the correct interpretation would be in the first fruits or in the firstborn. And honestly, when you look at the way that they're used, almost always, almost always, and even in the times that it's not translated first fruits or firstborn, it could still be implied in a lot of the times that it's used to say in the beginning. That means that that, that can lead you to have some questions, okay? For me, that's a home run. For me, when I look at it, it's a home run to me. I look at Rosh, I look at the ways that Rosh and Rashid are used, and I see that the majority of the time that it's used to mean firstborn or first fruits, and then all of the sudden, it's used to mean in the beginning. This is a home run for me. But wait a second, Stephen. Hold, hold up, hold up. Couldn't you guys both be wrong? I mean, you just talked about how he's wrong, and I see this being defined as in the beginning, and I'm pretty sure if I did some searches that I would find someone that would say that it doesn't mean the first fruits or the firstborn. How can I be sure you're right? Aha, good job, little philosophizer you're picking up. All right, so, I mean, it's a good question to have. One of the other points I want you to consider is this doesn't have any theological problems to say that Jesus is in the first word, all right? Because if Jesus is in the first word, and it does mean in the first fruits or in the firstborn, it would read, in the firstborn or by the firstborn, God created the heavens and the earth. That may make you raise an eyebrow because you've heard in the beginning your whole life. But it has no theological problems. My proof? John chapter 1. We're going to read a couple of verses at the very beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
And usually when you hear that verse, they immediately jump to uh, verse 14, which says the word became flesh. Oh, oh, okay. So we're talking about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Okay. We are talking about Jesus. Let's keep reading in the beginning though. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Verse three, through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Right there. There is no theological problem in saying by Jesus, God created the heavens and the earth. There is no theological issue with it. Well, that's just one verse, though. That's true. It is just one verse, which is why I also have Colossians chapter 1 pulled up for you. Starting at verse 15 of Colossians chapter 1, He, meaning Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn, ooh, ooh, there's that word, over all creation. For by him, whoa, whoa, by him, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. That right there for me is all I need to believe it. It may not be enough to convince you, but when you look at it, you look at these uh, these two chapters or these two other sections right here, you consider how the word Rashid is normally used, I see no other conclusion other than to say that saying in the beginning is an outlier or to say there is something to this idea that Jesus is in the first words. Why is that important to me? Well, you know how uh, people say all the time that uh, the word Trinity is not really in the Bible and uh, we only really know about the Trinity because of Pentecost. Uh-uh-uh-uh. First, remember in the Psalms, and remember when in a Samuel's encounter with Saul about how the Spirit of God leaves Saul and how David begs, do not take your spirit away from me. Ooh, wait. You mean the Holy Spirit before Pentecost? I'll go even further back. With what I've told you in mind, let's reread Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. And you tell me how convincing this sounds. In the beginning, oh, let's try again. By the firstborn, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. If I'm right, the Trinity is within the first two verses. And even if you have a hard time accepting that, 
even if you have a hard time believing me, which I, I, I encourage you to challenge me, there is still no theological problems with saying that. There are no theological problems with the Trinity being in the first two verses. I just showed you in John chapter 1 and Colossians chapter 1 how Jesus is the creating force. God speaks, Jesus creates. I see no theological problem with it. I see linguistic support that says that Jesus is in the first word. And if Jesus is in the first word, we see the Trinity right away at the beginning of the Bible. If that doesn't get your blood pumping, nothing will. And that is why I think that we need to be like so invested in understanding the word of God the way it's written. It's exciting. It's exhilarating. You get to see more about God. And the more that you learn about the Bible, the more exciting reading and discovering what he says gets. That's all I got for you guys today. I want you guys to use Bible Hub in your studies. I think it will enrich uh, your personal study and your teachings. And when you challenge people in what they say about uh, the Hebrew Bible or the Greek Bible. That's all I got for you today. I want you guys to take care and I'll see you later.